Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome. It's wonderful, actually, to be preaching. It's, there's been a, a season where we've had a whole lot of um, guest preachers. They're not even that unfamiliar to most of us. But as we are moving towards the end of 2020, I really wanted to just take this, in a sense, last opportunity to look at this vision that God called us to, what it means, what vision means, or what our annual visions mean, and just to remind us of the fact that just because we're finishing 2020, it doesn't mean that God hasn't called you to more. There have been a hang of a lot of distractions this year. For some of us, that has meant that we have pushed in to the things of God more. And for some of us, the distractions have dragged us away from the Lord. But if you're hearing me saying this and you've got a, a tug in your heart, the good news is God hasn't finished with you yet. And the good news also is that even if you're hearing this and you don't feel any guilt at all, God still hasn't finished with you yet because he cannot be unfaithful to himself. I've been reading that several different places in the scripture, but most especially in that wonderful place in 2 Timothy. We can deny him and he will deny us, but we cannot be unfaithful and he will be unfaithful to us because he cannot be unfaithful. It violates his nature. And that is an incredible promise. So when we muck up, that doesn't affect God. It's only when we choose to try and walk away from Him. And as we so often sing, even then He doesn't immediately give up on us. He hunts us down to try and draw us back to Him. So, there have been lots of uh, distractions. It's been an amazing thing as I've reflected on this vision of called to more to realize that God knew in advance what this year was going to hold for us. And knowing that we were going to go through this uh, season of lockdown and the challenge medically of COVID, He still called us to more explicitly for 2020. Now, part of what I understand of what that means, as I've reflected on this, is that what I originally thought Call to More looked like probably wasn't the wholeness of what God had in mind. Because inevitably, more tends to make us think of more external things. Whereas this has definitely been a season of more internal reality. Or the need for more internal reality. Many of us have battled with fear during this, during this time. The simple fear of death. As we've heard of the, the, the statistics, which for a long time were, uh, you couldn't switch on the television or listen to the radio or go onto the internet without getting some kind of statistics about the, the state of the COVID situation. And just by the way, it's not gone. I know that's come as a huge shock to some people. I was chatting to a couple of people during, during this week. 
who had recently recovered from being COVID, suffering with COVID. And the one guy said to me, I don't worry about your mask. I've already had COVID. We need to know the truth. Have you ever had a year when you've had flu, you've got over it, and you've had it again? Apparently the same is true for COVID-19. I was chatting to Ray yesterday, and he said he's had a couple of customers who've had COVID more than once. So fear has been a real thing. You look at the stats and you see in the U.S., it feels like several hundred thousand people have died from COVID-19. We have had to face the reality of fear. We had to face our mortality. And that has challenged some of our faith beyond what it was actually capable of. That's really uncomfortable. But it's really real. If our faith doesn't meet the challenges of life, the real challenges of life, then our faith needs to grow. And God has called us to more. He's called us to more faith. He's called us to more reality of knowing Him. And this has been an incredible season. And to a great reality still is an incredible season for our faith to be real and really grounded in Jesus, not in all of the pleasantries and comforts of what it means to be part of a church. So the visions God has given us, God has, is not schizophrenic. He doesn't get to the end of a year and change his mind. The, what we love to call the vision for this year, called some more, is really the thing that God puts on the leadership, on the elders' hearts initially. This is the thing that he wants to emphasize during this year. But as I've reflected over the last couple of years and the things he's spoken to us, his vision is also cumulative. One thing builds on the next thing as the Lord takes us forward to in, into eternity. So the fact that we're no longer in uh, 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or very shortly 2020, that doesn't mean that God doesn't still want us to build our house on the rock, to extend our tent pegs, increase our capacity, to move beyond, and He is still calling us to more. I, I believe the greatest challenge to Christians in the Christian life is stagnation. It's to stop growing. Sometimes it happens deliberately because of the pressures of life and we choose to park our growth in Jesus. Sometimes it happens accidentally because of circumstances, because of, of, of whatever. But the greatest challenge is uh, to Christians is to stop growing. We cannot afford to stop growing. I remember hearing as a young believer that the Christian life is roller skating up, up, uh, up, up a, an incline. You can't stand still. If you stop, you roll back. We need to continue growing. And the point of the visions that God's given us is to keep us growing. So, let's have a look at the scripture that formed the, the heart of 
this year's vision. Ephesians 4, verses uh, 1 to 3, but especially verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Just notice there, he doesn't qualify who you is. So, you is everybody. So what is the you, who is the you referring to? Those who were called. So who's called? You. Who's you? Everybody. Everybody is called. Just in case you haven't heard that enough this year. If you're here, if you believe in Jesus, you have been called by him. Be completely humble and gentle then. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we're to live worthy. But how? He tells us, verse 2. First of all, he says we need to be humble. Man, Kenny preached an awesome message last week about humility. And he's so humble that he agrees with me. But what a brilliant, what a brilliant thing. We don't talk that much about humility anymore. And yet it is so essential to being happy in Jesus. Uh, I think he mentioned this as part of the many things that he said to us last week. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. And to put the positive spin on that, it's trusting God's evaluation of who you are and where you're at more than your own evaluation and living out of that reality. We need to be trusting the Lord's evaluation. The second thing he mentions is gently. Gently, similar similar to humility, is one of those massively misunderstood words. Just as humility doesn't mean being, oh, I'm so humble, I'm a worm, I'm nothing. It means embracing God's evaluation of you. And the first part of God's evaluation of you is that you are his child. So gentleness is not about being a doormat. It's not going and finding someone to beat you up. It's about, uh, it's about taking or allowing anger and taking the, 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 the violent route as the last option. There are some things that are worth fighting for. And you need to fight when you need to fight. The problem is when the first thing we turn to is fighting. That's usually a sign of bullying. You cannot be gentle and be a bully. Or you cannot bully and be gentle. You can't gently bully somebody. How do we live life that's worthy? By being gentle, by taking the the, the violent road as the last option, by being bringers of peace. Patiently is the third thing he says, or long-sufferingly if you have one of those those versions. I quite like that, long-sufferingly. Why? Because it requires enduring, enduring with one another. God did not put us together because we're similar. He put us together because we're different so that iron could sharpen iron. I used to, uh, I, I love, quite loved knives and I hated taking a blunt knife out of the drawer to try and carve a chicken. And uh, 
when we were first married, I, I bought a, a nice white-handled knife and I had a nice thick blade. Well, that thick blade is now down to almost nothing because every time I've got to carve the chicken, I've got to sharpen it first. Long-sufferingly, iron sharpening iron, it's not easy. We rub off on one another and hopefully we rub the rough edges, the, 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 the niggles off one another. How do we do that? Patiently. Patience is about the long game. Patience is not about the quick fix. Man, everything in our culture makes this difficult. But how do we embrace the reality of being called to more? How do we humbly receive the calling that we've been given and work it out and work it, work, live it out worthily? We do it patiently by taking the long-term perspective and looking for the end game. Then he says, lovingly, showering the redemptive character of God into every situation. Man, I could give you a thousand definitions of love, but I picked on that one for today. It's not about just being nice, but it is about being nice. It's about being nice intentionally. We live worthy of the calling that we've received by being intentional about being loving. I'm sure you've heard this many times about the love of God, that it's not a feeling. I'd like to tell you it is a feeling. It's just not only a feeling. It's about doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time intentionally. And lastly, he says, no, not lastly, second lastly, he says, eagerly. I'd like to share with you that the opposite of eagerness is passivity. It's not indifference. It's not, um, yeah, the opposite, let's stick to what it is. The opposite of eagerness is indifference. Yo, if you really think about this, how easy is it? Well, I'm, I'm not going to be offensive. I'm just going to be passive in the situation. God wants us to, and he calls us to be, and to live a life worthy, we have to be eager. Whether you're young, as young as Rob and Denise, who I promise you are super eager for the things of God, or whether you're as old as Sean, <laughs> we need to be eager. We live a life worthy of the Lord by being eager for the things of God. There is nothing passive about eagerness. <laughs> is there? You passive lot. It's difficult to be eager when you're sitting down, hey? But we need to be eager. And, it, and that means it can't be based on how we feel. It has to be based on our intention to live a life worthy. I had this picture yesterday of the, the lazy river at Ushaka World in Durban. When you get onto one of those big tubes and you go on the river, you go where the river takes you. Have you ever tried to get out of one of those rings and, and get to the side? It's incredibly difficult. Unless you're super eager to get out and get out. If we're not intentional, we go with the flow. 
and then we end up where the flow's going. Sometimes we don't know. Intentionality is what enables us to remain eager for the things of God and therefore to live a life worthy. Revelation 3.16, that super well-known scripture, don't be lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, because I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God can deal with cold. He can deal with your cold heart towards him. He can't deal with your lukewarm heart. Quite a profound thought. And then this really is uh, the, last, the last thing that he points out here. Spiritually. How do we live a life worthy of the calling? We live it spiritually. Actively partnering with the person of the Holy Spirit in everything we do. Galatians 5.25 says, keep in step with the Spirit. But I want to bring this one out. It's Deuteronomy 8.25. Because it's not just about the church stuff. It's about all of our lives. One of the greatest tricks the devil has, has worked on us is that the separation between our weekday lives and our weekend lives. Deuteronomy 18 verse 8. 8 verse 18. I said 8 verse 25 just now, sorry. It's 8 verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That means... Thank you, Angie, for that wonderful testimony. That means that that testimony is not being a super spiritual. It's living a life worthy of the calling. It's recognizing who it is that gives us life and breath and everything else. We live a life worthy by embracing this reality that the Lord gives us in Deuteronomy 8.18, Kenny. <laughs> it's, it's embracing the fact that our gifting is not just the things that we use in church. It's everything that we are, have, and do. I used to have the gifting of being a good programmer. <laughs> but the Lord's changed the season of my life. But I recognize the call of God on me in that season with that skill. It was He who gave it to me. And sometimes I honestly felt when I was sitting in the back room in the dark being fed pizza... That the favor of God was on me as I coded. As you are preparing wood, you can sense, you need to be able to sense the reality of the favor of God on you. As you teach, as whatever it is you do, manage finances, as you put those bids in, know that it is the Lord your God who has given you the ability to produce wealth. How do we live a, a wife, a wife? How do we live a life worthy of the calling? We live it spiritually. So if, we've now, if we now know how to live a life worthy, what is it that, um, what is this calling? What is it that, it that we are living a life worthy of? The three big areas that I want to, to quickly demonstrate in my last 10 minutes. Just remember this though, that worth, value, leads to worship. Worship. When we get together and we sing, the singing isn't worship. 
If there is no appreciation for God in your heart, if he has no value, all you're doing is singing. Just as when you go to that rock concert. A few years back, my wife and I, and actually Mike and Yolandi, we all went together to see a big rock concert. And my wife learned some interesting new things about me, apart from the fact that she can't stand my music. But uh, apart from that, she learned that, man, I can sing along to those songs too, even for two and three quarter hours. Man, those guys could play. If there is no value in our hearts of the Lord and what he's done, if we have not perceived the fact that it's he who gives us the skill and the ability to earn wealth, then the the worship that we think we're singing, that we think we're giving, is empty. Might just as well be at that rock concert. It comes, worship comes from here. It starts in us. If there is no appreciation, if there is no recognition, then there is no worth of God in our hearts. We can say what we like, might have the right doctrine, but it hasn't touched our hearts. Three quick areas that I want to look at in terms of being called to more and keeping it in our hearts as we go into December and as God shows us the emphasis, the vision that he has for us for 2021. These three things he will never stop doing in your heart. He is calling you to know him more. He is calling you to be more like him and he is calling you to do more of what he did. So first, he's called, calling you to know him more. Knowing has to come before anything. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. That means that you're ignorant of your ignorance. <laughs> Why do we read the Bible? Not because it's a religious thing to do. And I have to tell you, it doesn't always get easier over time. I've, I've been reading through uh, Chronicles in my um, in my devotion time, whatever you call it, part of my reading plan. Your first Chronicles is difficult. Man, there are so many names and lists of names and lists of lists of names. And Jesus, just as you, and the chapters are so long. How can you have 72 verses in it, of which each verse has got like 15 names in it, and all of which are completely foreign and unpronounceable? And I'm, I'm one of these people who I can't just go zim, zim, hoobity doobity, zabity, zabadoo. I've got to try and read the name. I've been finding it difficult. But we need to know these things. And I've picked up a few interesting things. Even this morning, I read about how the, the descendants of Obed-Edom were appointed as gatekeepers. And their genealogical records were kept for after the return from exile. Well, who was Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom was the guy who, had the, who was given the, the hospital pass when David was bringing the ark back up from the Philistines and Uzzah reached out his hand and the Lord struck him dead because they weren't transporting the ark as God had revealed to them. 
they, they thought, oh, it's going to kill everyone. Let's leave it at this person's house. And this person was Obed-Edom. But instead of it killing Obed-Edom, it said the Lord blessed him in all his ways. And the overflow of that was that he became, he and his family became the gatekeepers of the temple. A permanent inheritance. Well, I, I'd never have picked that up any other way apart from somewhere in these lists of names, of names, of names, of names, of names. But it's in there. We need to know him above everything else. We love to throw that phrase around, to know him and to make him known. What do you know of him that you are making known? And how do you get to know? You know, one of the, one of the primary ways you get to know about who, who Jesus is like, one of the primary ways that we actually absorb things about who God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is not through these times. It's through what we sing. And uh, if you're part of the worship team, you know that I hammer the worship team r- regularly about, are you sure that, uh, that you're choosing this song not just based on, it's got a great tune and an amazing lyric, and it's a, everyone loves to sing along, rah, rah, rah. You know, you could be at Anfield singing along with the, with the crowd <laughs> or, or one of the other soccer stadiums. <laughs> We need to know him. And it's not enough to just sing the songs. That is how we we learn. I think most of us have a fairly good, at least mental, realization that he is a good, good father. Because we sing it often, good. It is a deep biblical truth. Do you know God is also an angry judge? And somehow, the two are held in check and you cannot understand or work out how that is possible without reading your Bible so we don't read the Bible because it's the thing to do we read it to know him and we know him so that we can make him known and we cannot make him known Jesus the biblical Jesus known without knowing him because he has called us to know him He's also called us to be more. Knowing without it affecting who we are, without it touching our character, without it transforming our being, also known as personal growth, is not true knowing. At least not in terms of what the Bible means by knowing. For the Bible, knowing is the kind of knowing that involves experiencing. And the kind of knowing that involves experiencing of God must lead to being. I don't know about you. I I was uh, I did not know Jesus before I came to know Jesus. (laughs) I didn't have the privilege of growing up in a in a Christian household. We went to church occasionally, but I did not know him. I was so shocked by the gospel on the night that I heard it for the first time and responded to him. But the transformation that happened because I came to know him as he is was astonishing. I remember being stopped in, I was at boarding school, I remember being stopped in the passage one day by my housemaster saying, what has happened to you? You are not the same person you were last term. 
and being with all that beautiful boldness that you have when you're first overwhelmed by who Jesus is saying, hey, Jesus, uh, hey, sir, Jesus got hold of me. <laughs> we become familiar. Some of our enthusiasm needs to be rekindled. That's how we live a life worthy of him. Being passive. It's no good. It doesn't honor what Jesus has done for us. We have been called to know him more, and out of knowing him more, we've called to be more. Knowing Jesus must transform who we are. We know the reality of this. You look at your, your favorite sporting, look, we're very blessed in this country that many of our, uh, many of our sporting personalities know Jesus. But that is definitely not true everywhere in the world. And, of course, the news loves to tell us the stories of when these guys blow, blow it morally. Or you think about uh, the big Hollywood stars. That is a great example of knowing without being. In fact, certainly with the movie stars, the way they teach them to, uh, to, to act, to prepare for their roles is to try and think themselves into, they are emotional chameleons. They never own anything that they know. They could tell you what it's like to be Winston Churchill. They could tell you what it's like to be Adolf Hitler, but they're neither. Biblical knowing produces a change in our being. And thirdly, biblical knowing, whoops, which, which, which leads to biblical being becomes biblical doing. The problem with religion is that we start with the doing. In other words, we work, try and work from the outside in. And part of the testimony of the old covenant is that it doesn't work. You have to start from the inside out. Are you battling with your walk with Jesus and being a good witness at work? Well, don't start finding new techniques about how to share Jesus. Go and spend some serious time praying and reading your Bible because it has to start with knowing. Knowing leads to being, and being leads to doing. We must be before we do. Otherwise, what we do is not living a life worthy of the calling that we've received. That's the problem with the law, as Paul talks about it, especially in Romans and Galatians, is that it works from the, out, the outside in. Being, sorry, doing is not evil. One of the, one of the challenges that came out of the, the Reformation is this fact that we somehow got this idea that anything we do is inherently evil. That's got nothing to do with the scripture. If you really want to know, that attitude has closer uh, links to Platonism than it does to what the scripture has to say. Doing is not evil. Without doing, we don't tr truly know. We aren't truly being. 
who we know, who we've believed in, causes us to live for him. I'm going to read you two quick scriptures. John 5 verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. The Father did work and Jesus did works. And we are to do Jesus' works after him because we know him and because we are being transformed by him. John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do, every, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, because the Holy Spirit is coming, he will enable us to do way beyond what we can do. But doing always requires us to participate, to, um, to partner with the Spirit. This is called the obedience of faith. That comes in Romans 1.5. This is how we live happy in Jesus. So, we are still being called to more. He's calling us to know him more, to grow in our personal experience of him. And he's calling us to be more like him, to have our character transformed. You may be older. You might have walked with him for 30 years. He's still at work in you. Knowing must lead to being, and being must lead to doing. He's calling us to do more with him. Let's trust him to use our lives, our words, and our actions. So where do you need the Lord to be Lord in your life? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just so that we can do business with him. Where do you need the Lord to be Lord in your life? If something immediately pops into your mind, hold it there. Don't go looking for another list. If there's nothing, just two minutes. Ask him, Lord, where Confess it to him. Lord, I'm really sorry. I've blown it here. I know you're calling me to be more like you in this area. Don't, no excuses. Don't try and justify it. There's no, oh, but I've had no time. Confess it to him. Now I'd like to lead us in a, in a prayer asking him to help us to walk out what he has called us to, to live lives worthy of the calling to more that he has given us. Faithful Father, I thank you for your power revealed in us amazingly. That's why it's so powerful. Lord, we thank you that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You deal with the past. We're praying now for the future. Won't you strengthen us, help us to be intentional to partner with you. Please keep prodding us and poking us 
when you want to be invo- when you want to be involved in what it is that you are doing in us because we accept and recognize that you have called us to more to know you more to be more to do more of the same things that you are doing so we commit ourselves into your hands in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.